You are listening to the TechMap Marketing Podcast with me, Andy Barjuri. You are in for a real treat with today's show. I've been lucky enough to convince Mark Schaefer to join me on the podcast and to talk about his latest book, Marketing Rebellion. And I mean, I've been an admirer of Mark's for years. I think his uh, writings and his thinking and his podcasts are not only right at the cutting edge, but also really entertaining to listen to or to read. And so I was thrilled when he said he would come on my show and, and talk about his latest book. And the book itself is really worthwhile look, looking at as well, because really Mark's contention is that as marketeers, we're out of touch. We're out of touch with our customers. We're doing too much stuff that they hate and it has to change. And Mark's book is all about what should those changes be? How do we get back to being in touch with our customers? How do we get back to delivering what marketing is all about, which is about being human? And generally, any conversation with Mark is going to be really entertaining. But this one I've really enjoyed doing. So I'm sorry if I come across as a bit of a fanboy, but hopefully hopefully you'll enjoy the conversation. Hopefully you'll take some stuff out of it that you can apply to your businesses. As usual, please leave me a review, some feedback on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, let me know why and I'll try and uh, improve it. But in the meantime, I really hope you enjoy the show. So let's get on with it. Mark, hello. How are you today? I couldn't be better because here I am talking to you again after a long hiatus. So this is a good <laughs> yes, day. Yes, indeed. It has been a while. Thank you very much for joining me on the uh, TechMap podcast. It's a pleasure to have you back. Um, I, I want to start off with a bit of a confession, Mark, if you don't mind. Well, oh, gonna... this, this is a good way to start things. Go, you, It's provocative. <laughs> Go for it. I'm going to confess to being a little bit nervous about talking to you today. <sighs> oh, come on. Yeah, and it's not because you know you are a leading light in the world of marketing thinking. It's because I've been reading your book, Marketing Rebellion, <laughs> and you know what? It's challenged me to think a bit differently. Oh, you know, good. It's challenged me to think that the way I've been doing things for the past 15, 20 years as a marketeer mm. has got to change. Yeah. I've got to think about new ways of doing stuff. Well, it had the same impact on me. I uh-huh. mean, it, it really did. Andy, there was a time as I was writing this book and all of a sudden, like the, the runway became lit. I mean, it just lit up. Like I knew where the book had to go and what I had to say. And I had a deep moment of fear and concern and really anxiety because it made me question what it means to be a marketer, just like you. I mean, there were certain things in my life and in my career you could sort of count on. And then when you really look at the research of where the world is today, you just can't count on those things anymore. Loyalty, for example. Uh, you know, I, I refer to this McKinsey research. They did it across, I believe it was 90 different industries or maybe 80 different industries and they showed that uh, 87% of our customers shop around. And this is a cataclysmic change in the last 10 years. And most marketers, including myself, you know, we've been kind of, we've got our heads down, just chunking it out and maybe you tweak it here and there a little each year. So I'm, I'm actually glad you had that reaction and there's no need to be nervous, but I mean, I think, to be relevant, you've got to think about where we are today. I think that's right. To be relevant, we, you know, we've got to change because as your statistics and your research points out, things are changing whether we like it or not. Yeah. We, I mean, we really don't have a choice. And some of the major themes of the book include that we've become too obsessed with technology. We're automating things that we shouldn't. We need to refocus marketing on really what it was meant to be at the beginning, that it was, you know, I, I talk about my first experience really with marketing. I was in a class at a university and I opened up the, the seminal textbook from 
Dr. Philip Kotler, and he says, marketing is a combination of sociology, anthropology, and psychology. And he had me hooked right there because <laughs> I thought that just seemed like the coolest major in the whole world. Marketing was all things human, sociology, anthropology, psychology. But most people don't think about it that way today. They think it's technology. We're looking yes. for an automated easy button to lower our costs and increase our reach at lower and lower costs. And that is exactly the opposite of what people want. Yes. And in fact, if you go on to say that marketing is, is it's now, or it should be about solving true human needs rather than using technology to find that easy button. And I think I agree with you. Well, we've, I, I, yeah, I think we've avoided that because it's hard. You know, I, I just think the easy days of marketing are, are, are going to be, are over. They're over. If you, if you really want something to work, uh, you know, marketing today, finding some way to climb back into that loyalty category requires some sort of emotional connection. That, that was a sort of a clue in that McKinsey research that said the reason that loyalty is in such decline is that there's no emotional connection because everything's, you know, being automated and everything, there's no human voice at companies anymore. It's all legally approved conversations. It's all soulless automated posts and uh, stock photos, which I just drive me crazy. <laughs> I mean, I think when a company, it's, it's uh, when companies use stock photos, what they're saying, they're, what they're communicating to the world is even we don't care. <laughs> We're well, just going to okay. check this box because it's, it's simple. Yes. It's so hard to take pictures of our own employees. Doggone it. We just can't do that. Let's do stock photos. Come on. <laughs> I got a feeling you could go off on one there, Mark. Um, I could go off on a lot, Andy. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just it, because it's a pa it, it's it's just become my obsession and it's become my my passion because I love marketing. I love marketing. I think it's the most fascinating profession, endlessly fascinating. It's so important, and yet it's just being beat to a pulp by people who it's, it's becoming a glorified IT department that don't, that they really don't care about the impact we're having on our customers. And we need to embrace a human centered approach to marketing. Like you said, focusing on what are, what are our customers really crying out for? What have they always been crying out for? You know, it's not more spam and it's not more yeah. robocalls and it's not more lead nurturing. It's they want to belong. They want to be acknowledged. Uh, they, they want to find meaning in their lives. And so we need to go down to the next level of the human experience and say, do, does a company have a role in this? What and do you think when is, I, um, sorry to cut in. Go there. ahead. Yeah. What do you think is driving that? Because from from my point of view, I'm thinking here, well, technology is advancing and marketing tech is just insane, the the, the, the way in which it evolves and how quickly mm -hmm. it changes. And, of mm -hmm. course, as marketeers, we're always scrambling to jump on the latest piece of tech mm -hmm. because we think that's the latest and best way to engage our audiences. Or do you think that our audiences, our customers are changing and driving, you know, their wants and needs are changing and we're having to respond more quickly to that. Um, what, what's driving that shift? Because in my head, I was thinking yeah. as well, you know, when we're talking, one of the big buzzwords of the last, I don't know, five years or so has been marketing to millennials. And of course, mm -hmm. there's a very different way in which they act and behave and mm -hmm. the way in which they consume products as well. So yeah. I was just trying to make sense of what, what it is yeah. that's kind of been the, 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 the out the start of that change and our need to think about well there's 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 a couple of things so first of all why have the customers shifted so far away from us how did we lose sight of where they are today and i've got research in the book that shows 
you know, marketers think they're doing a great job, but if you ask their customers, they're saying it's, they're doing a terrible job. I mean, it's just a chasm, the difference in opinions. And I think that consumers now are empowered by technology. When I was a young guy in business, the only way to connect to consumers really was advertising or maybe PR. And the consumers, the only way they could discover our products and try our products was through advertising. They would watch it on TV or they'd read it in a newspaper. But today, there are millions of ways to find out information about products. And the most valuable way is from each other. Today, a brand is not what we tell you what it is. A brand is what our customers tell each other. Two-thirds of our marketing is occurring without us. When I was you know, a young guy in business, I'd say we controlled 90% of the message. Mm. Today, we control maybe a third. 2025, it could be 10%. Because the power is shifting to the customers. The customers are in control. The customer is the marketer. And I think you use a really great example of McDonald's mm -hmm. in your book to illustrate that perfectly. Uh, I think it's McDonald's the case. Yeah, it was McDonald's. Yeah. That was a story that I had followed uh, for a long time. And I knew a lot of people at McDonald's and did some work at McDonald's. So I sort of kind of knew the inside story of of how the internet just shook up their business model. But it is a great example of how, you know, businesses used to be able to get away with secrets. That's how we made our money. We made our margins on this, on what people didn't know. And all those secrets are gone now and the customers are in control. So I think that's the first big shift is that, we, you know, we don't control the sales funnel. We don't control the customer journey and we don't control the marketing process. The customers do. So we've got to wake up and think about how do we join that two thirds? How do we join that piece of the conversation? And it's not easy because you can't buy your way in and you can't automate your way in. We're going to have to roll up our sleeves and show up in some <laughs> way that we're going to be invited. And it's like kind of like the old days of, of business. So I think that's the first thing. The other thing is that, I mean, you asked me what's changed. And the, the, big, the biggest piece, I think, is that the customers really haven't changed. We just have ignored what they're saying. And we, are, we have, for example, a belonging crisis in our world. The more time people spend on the web, the more isolated, lonely, and depressed they feel to the point where it's a health crisis. Mm. In the UK, uh, they've uh, I think it was January of last year, uh, the UK government assigned a minister of loneliness because uh, of this, this health crisis and it's occurring everywhere where people are spending more and more time on social media and the web. Yeah. yeah. And so what can companies do? What what can companies do to help people feel like they belong, like they're acknowledged? And we have to go back and just look at the fundamentals, look at the basics of what our customers truly need. If we want to earn their loyalty, we have to show them that we're loyal to them first. Mm. And that takes a, a a new way of thinking. Absolutely. I think that's a, a way of thinking that we haven't had for, well, perhaps forever. But belonging is such an important piece and it kind of ties into community, I guess, doesn't it? But, um, you, you know, the sense that if you're part of a community around a brand and the community is another one of those big buzzwords in the last few yeah. years. It's interesting how brands have been trying to create that sense of belonging for a while. But I don't know how successful it's always been. You know, that was exactly my question as I started doing research on that part of the book. I, frankly, have been a skeptic of, of brand community and corporate community. And uh, I've been, I was wrong. <laughs> I okay. really was, I really was wrong. And, um, and there's lots of examples in the book where, there's examples of very small companies, uh, medium-sized companies, 
even very large companies that are creating long-term loyalty and even love with their customers by creating these uh, communities. One of my favorite examples is the last case study in the book. It's a small company in uh, Boston called Wistia. They, uh, it's a video creation and hosting yeah. platform. And Hello, Wistia. Wistia, uh, you know, they involve their customers in everything. They have live meetings. They have live events. They give a Slack channel membership to all of their customers so that they can be involved and so, so that they can connect and participate and provide ideas and help each other and and the CEO of Wistia, uh, Chris Savage, I had the opportunity to interview him for the book, and he said something so so profound and important. He said, your company culture is your marketing. If you screw up the culture, you screw up the marketing because that's what shows up. You can't fake it. That's yeah. what people see, and that's what they believe in. And they believe in Chris and they believe in that company. They believe in the culture and they do absolutely feel like they belong. And there's lots of examples like that out there. So I was, I was wrong and I'm glad I was wrong <laughs> because <laughs> well, it's, maybe it's, it's awesome. Maybe it's about using community in the right way then, because that, that's really interesting that Wistia engages their, com- uh, their customers at every stage. But whenever I think of community, I always think of a company in the UK called GifGaff. Mm. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of GifGaff, but they're a mobile phone network or operator. And all of their customer support is run by a community of their customers to look after wow. each other as they start That's to nuts. use their product. Yeah, I mean, have a look at GifGaff. It's a fantastic yeah. case study of community. It's an extraordinary case study, but it is happening. But I think, again, it, it gets back down to the culture. If you have a culture where you're, the only thing you want to do is close on the next deal to make your quarterly numbers, that is not going to build community. Nobody will ever trust you because they know that you're just trying to do whatever you need to do to keep your stock price up or to make that next sale. And I, look, I've lived in that culture. I lived most of my career in that public company, uh, quarterly pressure culture. But I can also tell you with authority that is going to destroy you today. People want to uh, believe in you. They want to trust you. And uh, for them to do that, you've got to run your company with a culture where the community comes first, not sales. The sales will come later. And one of the examples I put in the book is, is the American motorcycle company, Harley-Davidson. They, they turned the company around in the 80s by basically turning their company into a motorcycle club. And everything drives the club. You know, the, the, the live events, uh, the, the pr- decisions they make with their products, how they involve their customers. Uh, and it was a very bold move. Really? And but it worked. Back in the 80s, did you say? So that really is, at the time, a fundamental yeah. change to you know, what the rest of the world is thinking about marketing. It was a dying company, mm. but, they, but, they, but they tuned in to the extraordinary passion that people had for the image of the motorcycle, mm. for the power of the motorcycle, for the sound of the motorcycle how they wrote it, what it meant to them, what it symbolized. And they said, okay, we're not going to appeal to everybody, but this is our group and and we're going to stand behind them no matter what. And uh, uh, there's, there's lots of examples like that in the book. Lululemon is another, is another great example, I think, where the whole company is built – on having conversations about a fitness lifestyle. Everything about their stores is designed to bring people in and make them feel part of yeah. something bigger. They they use their stores as yoga studios at night. Um, 
It's it's all about truly building a community, and they and they never they almost never have sales. They just they sell they sell out of everything that they make, and they have tremendous loyalty in a world that's moving away from loyalty, and it's all built on community. So it is possible. Is- and it is important. Is that a new brand? Because when you were talking about Harley Davidson, I'm thinking, well, maybe that's easier yeah. if you've got an iconic brand and a hardcore of, you mm-hmm. know, fanatical brand uh, ambassadors, I suppose. But I don't yeah. know. It is a relatively new yeah. brand. Uh, I want to say 12 or 15 years old. Okay. So re- relatively new. But if you were a, mm-hmm. a startup brand, a brand new business, and you wanted to you know, in your brain, you're probably thinking, I've got to get some sales, I've got to get some cash in the till, as we say over here, to prove that this model works. And that's my priority, my focus. But then when I scale upwards from there, maybe it's at that point where you've proven your product, it's time to really think about um, community, or do you kind of bake that in from day one, do you think? Well, one thing I want to be uh, clear about, and I need to emphasize to all of your listeners, and I emphasize this every time I talk about the book, and I hit this right up front in the book, that I'm, I don't tell anybody what to do. Uh, there, there's, there's no cookie cutter answer that fits everybody. Building a community takes a very special type of culture, a very special sort of leadership, and it may not be for everybody. And I'm not saying it's for everybody. But what I provide in my book is a map, has lots of different destinations. It talks about values-based marketing. Uh, it talks about human-centered marketing. It talks about how we use influence in a new way, how we use social media and content in a new way. So there are lots and lots of ideas in the book. It's packed with ideas. And I just want people to open their eyes to what is really going on in the world today and make smart decisions that might fit for their business. I think ultimately, Andy, the solution that's going to fit for any business is going to be based on the culture. I think uh, Harley Davidson, when when they made that radical decision, it was an entire company culture decision that came from the top and pervaded every single part of that company. Uh, that may not work for other companies. Uh, it, it it may work for little departments within a company. Mm, okay. It may it, and and so um, you just have to look at how is our culture going to adjust in this in this world. Um, frankly, I think a lot of major companies, mega corporations are going to have a very difficult time adjusting in this world because they were built on advertising. Their companies and their brands were built on advertising and we're seeing less and less advertising and it's being uh, less and less effective. And the, the business and brands when, you know, when I was growing up of the past were built on these advertising yeah, impressions, absolutely. but the brands of the future will be built on human impressions and this emotional connection between people. And I actually asked uh, uh, a sort of a, a leader in this research space. Uh, I said, well, how are these big companies going to make this transition? And she looked at me and she shrugged her shoulders and said, I don't know. <laughs> And I think there's a lot of evidence out there that they're dying. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, uh, I think yeah. that is evident. If you know that, if you just look at the way in which um, the, the top brands have performed over the last 15, 20 years, I don't know whether you saw recently there was this great little video being shared on social media of which brands had risen up the charts to be at the top in the last fifteen years. Mm. And those mm-hmm. ones that we, you know, we've classically seen advertising a lot over the years started to fall down the charts. Yeah, and those oh, absolutely. That had invested absolutely. in not just a quality product, but had built a community of people that are fans and, and real advocates and ambassadors like Apple, for example, started to rise up the charts. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to mm-hmm. see which brands have, have made that transition. Of course, there are some that will always be up there like Coca-Cola and IBM, for example, um, just because yeah, of the quality yeah. of their products. But I think those that have perhaps embraced more of this, um, this thinking around culture 
uh, and community are, are performing well. Well, I mean, we'll see. Time, yeah. time will tell. Um, I think this change, this shift in consumer behavior is going to, is going to favor the nimble. It's going to favor the smaller companies that have the ability to, to attach a face and a person to their brand, or in the case of Coca-Cola, a polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> or a truck. Yeah. <laughs> so you talk up in the book about um, you've got these constant human truths, and I guess all of these things rolled up together is what equates to almost that culture, isn't it? So you talk about meaning and love and protecting self-interest and these. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what that's only three, isn't it? So four belonging to me. What was the fifth? Or have I got the wrong human truths there, Mark? No, no. The, the, uh, it's belonging, uh, self-interest. Um, uh, I'll put you, you on the confused. spot now, haven't I? <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to go look at the book. <laughs> belonging, I've got meaning and love. Meaning. Uh, oh, here, I've got it right, I've got it right in front of me. See, you, you caught me too early in the morning here. <laughs> uh, Okay, yeah. Love in the end of loyalty, belonging, self-interest, meaning, and respect. Respect, there's the one. And I think rolling all of those together does obviously contribute towards the culture of your company internally and how you're facing your customers. Right, right. And and I think this idea of respect is, is a huge idea. It's a simple idea. And I think it's a good place for companies to start Somebody asked me, uh, well, Mark, uh, you write about this rebellion. Every rebellion has a purpose. What's the purpose of this rebellion? And in my mind, I pictured this crowd of customers banging on the company's door, who's spamming them and, and abusing them with robocalls and they're holding up this big sign that says, respect me. And as a matter of fact, if you buy my book, when you open up the book, the first thing you see is a picture of a mob of people with a woman holding up a sign that says, respect me. Because I wanted to make a statement that that is really the rebellion. And to take your first step toward this human-centered approach where we actually respect people, because the customers are going to win. They always win. So either you join the rebellion or you fall behind. And the first step is to stop doing what people hate. I think it's just that simple. Just think about the types of things you like to see in marketing and business and the things where you feel annoyed and interrupted and abused. Stop it. Stop doing what people hate. Stop treating people differently online versus offline. Yes. And that's not that sounds so simple. That's not going to be easy because our companies love doing that stuff. Well, it's the easy stuff to do, isn't it? That's the thing. It's the easy, it's the cheap stuff to do that you need to get away from because it ultimately it's yeah. it's, it's intoxicating yeah. to buy a, 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 an email list of a million names for, you know, 9 pounds or, you know, 10 bucks or something like that. And if you just make one sale, it pays for the whole thing. One out of a million. That's all you need. But at the same time, you're annoying all those other people. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, I mean, it, it, that's the big argument is that oh, we know we're annoying people and we know people hate it, but it works. Yeah, but you're annoying your customers, but it works. So somehow you, you've got to break out of that loop and take a stand and say, we are not going to be a company that annoys people. We're going, to cre- we're going to be a company that connects in a new way that really values people and, and tries to value our, our customers' human needs. And it's, you know, it's, it's happening. So you're on a bit of a crusade here, Mark, and I think it's probably – high tide that somebody uh, took that stance and said, look, guys, this model's broken and we need to change it. Are you hoping to see well, that's that? Been, you- that's, well, that's, that's been the reaction to the book. 
you know, you you started our conversation today by saying that you were a little nervous about the conversation because really you're nervous about some of the ideas in the book. And I knew people would be. And I expected um, some backlash. There may be backlash. <laughs> it hasn't happened Good. yet. Overall, people are embracing it. And they're saying, you know, Mark, you're saying what needs to be said. I've felt so uncomfortable about these things. And you're giving us permission to do the right thing. And I'll tell you a story, Andy. This this was one of the most moving things in my career. You know, there's this sort of subculture on the web. I call it the sales bros. Go on. These are the these are the people they'll 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 rent a Lamborghini for the day and they'll pose in front of this mansion and this Lamborghini and they'll say you know, sign up now for my, for my sales system. I've seen loads of these. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. These are the, it's, 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 it's it, you know, it's always some, you know, buff looking guy with these big biceps and this, and this, you know, sprayed on tan and gold chains hanging down. And they're standing in front of the Lamborghini and said, look, you know, I'll, I'll make you a million dollars in the first year. Right. And it's all, it's, it's corrupt. It's just corrupted. So. One of these guys, and it's always guys, read my book, and he put a video on YouTube. It was a 20-minute video talking about how he has been wrong, how this book has changed his life, and how he's stopping it. And he's, he said, this is what everything I've been doing is abusing people. And annoying people, and and it's been corrupt. Amazing. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna stop. And he went through my book chapter by chapter and told about talked about what it meant to him and how he was gonna activate this. And he said, "I'm already making changes on my website. I'm stopping all this stuff. I'm already making changes." And then he he's still sort of in the sales bros community. And uh, there was this post, I think it was on Facebook, maybe LinkedIn, and somebody was talking about these cold call tricks, how you trick people into taking a cold call. And he posted on there and he said, I'm not doing this anymore. He said, this is just wrong. You're tricking people and you're hurting people. And he copied me on it, linked to me. He said, you know, I read Mark Schaefer's book and I'm not going to do it anymore. So I wrote, I looked at this stream and I wrote a comment back. I said, um, nobody on this stream will like my book, <laughs> but they will all become obsolete in the next 10 years. Wow. That's provocative. And then I got 10 comments after that saying, I'm buying your book right away. So it, it is having a change. It really is starting a rebellion. Uh, I'm getting lots and lots of reviews and comments. There was a, 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 a case study on my blog last week about a woman who scrapped her CRM system, just started calling people and talking to people live. And she said it, it, it changed her business overnight. She was ready to give up. And, and by the end of her first day of scrapping her CRM system, she had uh, two new customers. By the end of the second week, she had 90 new sales leads. Amazing. That's the thing that you, that, that's the kind of thing that you need to hear because as a marketeer or even if you're a small business owner and you're trying to use marketing tech, all you hear is the positive success stories of inbound marketing, content marketing, all this kind of stuff. And I was having yeah. a chat with a client the other day who runs uh, a professional service practice and just talking to them generally about how do they engage their customers and then oh we've got this list and everyone gets one email a week about telling them a story around a customer and then when they first join the 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 list they get these seven automated emails that steer them towards making a phone call and right. i was thinking hang on a minute at what point do you pick up the phone and actually start a conversation and start to build a relationship with these guys? Because you can't do that through an email. And I think that's a, a symptom of exactly what you've been talking about there. And and, and, and you know that, Andy, we're all human beings. Every marketer is a human being and every marketer is a customer. <laughs> yes. 
And in our heart, we know what we like and we know what works, but we don't do it because we're stuck in this echo chamber and we listen to, you know, HubSpot. We listen to Marketo. We listen to the gurus. We go to these conferences and it's out of touch with the world and it's out of touch with customers. And we build up these, these layers, these, and it becomes fossilized into our DNA that, oh, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do yeah. this. Cause I went to a HubSpot conference and you, and nobody looks up to see, is it really working? Is this really where our customers are? And it's, it, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do in my book is to say, this is the wake up call. Let's look at what people, where the world really is today and what we need to do to, to thrive and survive. And, and I think most, most smart marketeers, they know there's an issue because they've seen, you know, the dwindling returns from their uh, Google yeah, ads or, or, you know, whatever it is they're investing in those traditional channels. They've absolutely. seen how it's changed, but they just haven't woken up yet to the need to make that change. And I think that's partly why I was nervous talking to you about this because, you know what, I recognize there's, there's a need for a change here, but taking those first steps isn't easy. And I, and I work for a small team, right? Imagine working for, you know, a big old traditional uh, tech company that's got quarterly sales. Well, I'll, you know what, I'll, I'll tell you something, though, that'll lift your heart. Go on. And I, I don't think, uh, I think this is something I can I can say publicly. Last week, I did a workshop for Microsoft. They said, help us. You're right. This is where we need to go. And we think we've got the culture to do it. So I think even the big companies yeah, are, 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 you know, I think even the big companies are saying, you know, we just got to, we, Schaefer's right. <laughs> we got to stop. We got, we got to, we got to stop this stuff. And it's not me. It's not my opinion. It's all backed up with research. I'm just the storyteller. I'm just, I'm just providing the research that's been provided by McKinsey and Deloitte and Accenture and Pew and Harvard. And it's out there. And the big companies are seeing this. A lot of other people aren't. And I'm just putting it, putting it together in a way that says, here's a snapshot of where we are. Chances are you're not there. Let's do this together and figure it out. What better place to work than Microsoft in that kind of project? Because it's, it's, they touch everybody, I think, Microsoft, don't they, in terms of the products and services that they have. So you've got a real opportunity to see how this works across different areas, different customer groups, different everything. What a fantastic place to, to, to work on. This. And, and, the, and, and, the, and the reason it's an opportunity is because of the culture, because of the chairman they have now, who is absolutely you know, making this change at their, at their company. And I highly recommend uh, Mr. Nadella's uh, book. Uh, it's called Hit Refresh about, you know, how he's refreshing his company and changing the culture of his company. And it's very much aligned with, uh, uh, with the, 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 the ideas that I have in the book. It's not about selling it and keeping it sold. And that's look, I used to be in sales. That's what we were about. Sell it and keep it sold. And now it's about what is your success? Our success has to be defined by your success. And we can't we can't make the mistake that what people are buying is what we're selling. Yeah. You know, as there's that famous quote about people don't want to buy a drill. They want a hole. Yes. Yeah. They don't care about the drill. They want a hole. So you really have to look at where are the holes? What are the holes? And that's kind of the, you know, getting into the constant human truth. People want stability. They want comfort. They want purpose. They want to be acknowledged. That's what they really want. They don't want to drill. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, I, I really like our success is your success. What a great way to kind of sum up what we've been talking about for the last half an hour or yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. And it really nicely, neatly spells out the importance of, you know, putting your customers first, which fundamentally, I suppose, if you go back to marketing 101, is kind of what it's all about, isn't it? 
Well, that's, yeah, I, I think so. And somehow we just forgot about yeah. it, Andy. Yeah. I mean, we've just become, we've become drunk on technology. And, um, that's why it was, it was one, it was just such a, a beautiful experience. When I was writing this book, I was reflecting on why I got into marketing, why I was just in love with this idea of marketing being this field that's all things human, something that Dr. Kotler wrote in this book when I was 21 years old. Now I'm in my 50s, and Dr. Kotler is still alive, and he was on a podcast uh, recently, and he said, what's missing in business today is emotion. He said, we're we're soulless. We have these pasted on smiles and legally approved words. And what humans really want is someone they can relate to, someone that's approachable, someone who's friendly, even vulnerable. And this is coming from Dr. Kotler. It's, it's just like the voice of the past He's still teaching us today at 87 years old, and he's still steering us back into the right direction. And I, I just love that, that here I was at the beginning of my career, and he's teaching me. And he's and here I am, you know, it's not the end of my career. It's, it's not the beginning, but <laughs> <laughs> but here I am in my 50s, and Dr. Kotler is still saying, Go get them. He's still inspiring. You're you. right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it go get them? You know, this is the right thing, Mark. You know, we're, this is what's missing today. And, and that's what all this research is saying too is, is what's missing is emotion. And the emotions probably aren't going to come from an ad or a jingle or a slogan or a logo. It's going to come from a human face, a human smile, a human voice, a real voice not a legally approved voice <laughs> that says, you know what? We're here. We care about you. It's not about the arc of our story. It's the arc of your story. It's not about our why. It's about your why. Let's sit down and talk about it. Yeah, I like that as well. I like the fact that it's about your why, not our why. Building on mm. Simon Sinek's Start With a Why, which is another fantastic uh, uh, marketing initiative, I guess. Amazing book. So, so what we really need then is another P to add to our collection of P's for marketeers that can bring this together. Well, the I, I suggest that in 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 the book that um, one of the most important chapters in the book is is chapter six, where I talk about values based marketing, and we see this in a very explosive way these days with some of the campaigns by Nike and others. But it doesn't have to be explosive. It just has to be something where you really understand your customer's needs and respond to your customer's needs in a meaningful way, which is kind of what the whole theme of my book is about. And uh, I suggest that who would have thought at the beginning of business when we were starting to codify marketing that we would add a fifth P and that's purpose. And purpose is a big deal. It's a big deal, especially to the digital natives, but across every generation. If people believe that your company aligns with their values, they will commit to you to the end. They'll pay more. They'll, they'll stick with you no matter what. And again, that can be a risky strategy, but it's part of the map that I provide in the book. Do you know, I, I've um, I've acquired the audio version of the book. I've just started oh, cool. to use audio books. And I'm now mm -hmm. wishing I bought the hard copy because I love the feel of a good book in my hands as I'm flicking through the pages. Um, it is hard. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to more audio books too. And it's been amazing because I've been an author for 10 years and my, er, my, this is my seventh book. And my first books, when I published through uh, McGraw-Hill, nobody even mentioned an audiobook. 
that we didn't even do an audiobook. That wasn't even part of the contract. And now the audiobooks for Marketing Rebellion are outselling paper and Kindle combined. Oh, is that right? Okay, so audio is exploding. It really is. And I think it's sort of special. I like paper books too. Um, But the audiobook is sort of special because I narrate it myself. And people seem to like my voice. And all the passion that you're hearing today comes across in in the audio version of the book too. It does. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I guess that's the real advantage to having the author reading his own book is you can you can experience it as well as read it, which is really quite cool, I suppose. It's kind of fun. <laughs> so, Mark, I mean, I, I would be very, very happy to carry on talking to you for ages, but I'm aware that it's Monday morning, first thing in the week for you. So you probably want to get on with your week. But before um, we, I let you escape, um, I always like to ask people, you know, where do they look for inspiration? Where do they, whose work do they read? What blogs do they read? Where, where, where's a must-see thing for them that keeps them at the top of their game? What's that for you, Mark? Yeah, well, that's, um, that's a really, it's, it's a great question. And it's not an easy answer because I'm sort of just like this sponge. <laughs> and um, I, it's, it's weird it's weird. It's almost like I'm flying in this spaceship and all these little light points of data are flying by me, but I can see the ones that matter. I can, I can sort of say, you know, there's something interesting there. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of, you know, my ideas and inspiration can just come from anywhere. When I was in sales, Many years ago, we had a new chairman come into the company, and this is a guy. He was a he was a he was an economist. He was just a finance guy and an economist, and he wasn't a people person. He was a nice man, a wonderful man, but he wasn't a people person. And he asked the question. He had this big expanded staff meeting, and he asked the question: Why do we need salespeople? If we're doing a really good job with our marketing. If people know what we're doing and we're truly indispensable and serving a customer need, distributing it well, servicing it well, and pricing it fairly, why do we need salespeople? Now, as a salesperson at at the time, this sent a tremble through my entire being. Yeah, I can imagine. But this week, I saw this announcement, Tesla is eliminating their salespeople. Oh, I didn't see that. Okay. They're closing their stores. And if you want a Tesla, you order it online and it takes one minute. No salespeople. And so so here I am in my spaceship <laughs> flying through the world. And I thought about this question that our CEO asked, you know, 20 years ago or 25 maybe. And what's happening with Tesla? And it made me think, was he right? And then I thought, you know, I I got a wonderful opportunity to study under Peter Drucker. And Peter Drucker said, the purpose of marketing is to make sales superfluous, to eliminate sales. Are we getting to a point where we, where, especially with the internet, we can give people so much information and so much value more information and value that we could ever get from a live person is a time that uh, that sales is going to be eliminated. So I connected all those dots from the cockpit of my spaceship and I made it into a blog post. So it really comes from everywhere. There's, there's not, I don't have that many real go-to sources. I just, I consume a lot. Um, I read a lot of uh, books a variety of books, but a lot of business books and especially marketing books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I like some recent books. I like small data by Martin Lindstrom. I like the power of moments by chip and Dan Heath. Um, I like the book, um, nudge. I can't remember who wrote it. I've got it sitting here in front of me somewhere, but, um, you know, those are some books, you know, I tend to look at 
I, I tend to admire books that are backed with academics and backed yeah. with research yeah. rather than, you know, one idea that somebody has and then they fluff it up into a book. I don't, I don't like that. So I like to think that my books are backed with research and academics, but told in a way that's, that's entertaining. Malcolm Gladwell is kind of my hero along those lines. Yeah. Okay. Glad, and Glad, Gladwell will find interesting enigmas in business and, and data and statistics that really don't make sense. And he gets curious and he chases it down. And then he tells the story through the entertaining stories of others. And that's, that's what I do in my books too. Yeah, you certainly do, Mark. You certainly do. And from what I have enjoyed so far of the book, it has been a challenging and, and a really entertaining read. Told Stories told very well. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to finishing it off or at least finishing listening to it. As opposed well, to thank you. That means a lot. And thanks for being so prepared with this uh, podcast and committing to, to look through my book. That means a lot. Well, you, you know what? I, I've been looking forward to talking to you, Mark, for for a few. Well, I forget how long ago it was. I've, I've arranged this, but it's been on my um, radar for a while. And I thought, you know, I'm really looking forward, and let's make this a great interview. So I hope that it's of interest to to our listeners, and I'm sure that they'll all get a lot out of reading your book, Mark. Um, Thank you so much. How should people connect with you if they want to say hello? They want to get in touch. What's the best way to reach you? Well, it's it's really easy. You just can go to businesses grow.com and you can find my blog my podcast um my all all of my books and uh, lots of other free stuff uh, also be sure to check out uh my the web page on my site for the book because there's tons of free extra stuff there there's workbooks there's even a coloring book that goes with the stories in the book. Excellent. A coloring book. Okay. Yeah. There's a coloring book. You can get stickers and, and badges. Uh, it's, so you go to businessesgrow.com slash rebellion. Slash rebellion. And, and, there's, and, and there's lots of fun stuff that will help you enjoy the book even more. Oh, perfect. I shall put those in the show notes. Mark, it's been a real joy and a pleasure. Thanks so much again for joining me on the Tech Map podcast. Thank you, Andy. It's been so much fun, and I hope you'll have me again, back again soon. I'll be delighted to.